the teachings of the apostles, or the catechism of the early church. Join Pastor Hook in today's teaching of the Didache. We are going to go ahead and start into the Didache, the final chapter, chapter 16. Uh, And it's a warning that the end is at hand. Uh, So after giving, um, uh, after what I would call, uh, in theological terms, it's called all law. Like, right, the way of life is law. The way of death is law. Um, How you should treat people is law. Baptism, communion, um, all these different things are law. And, um, you know, it can be really, really, really heavy to understand these are the ways that you're supposed to live your life. Uh, And... um, which, which all catechumens would have, would have learned this stuff and then they would have been baptized and then, um, then they would have, uh, you know, lived their life. And there's, there's a lot of, I think if you first hear this stuff, the idea that your life is not your own, but it's owned by God and you're supposed to serve others. Well, that is a pretty heavy duty thing. And, uh, I think, uh, at first, it may sound exciting. Yes, I'm going to live my life for others. But then as you start living your life for others, it becomes very difficult. Uh, and then God provides, continues to provide his Holy Spirit in your life and his peace and his love and joy until you, until you carve away your life um, to be more in line with his life uh, and his kingdom. Uh, and then you realize uh, over a period of time as your faith grows and your roots grow deeper that serving others really is the way of life. I mean, that is... That is the way of life. But when you first hear it, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of um, what I would call law. It, 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 it cuts to the heart. And for some people, it may seem like too much. So I'm really, really grateful for the Didache that in chapter 16, then, they say, but wait a minute, um, there's hope on the horizon. Uh, and, and the reason, uh, well... And so let's just go ahead and get into chapter 16 and we'll see why there's hope on the horizon. All right, so I'm going to just start reading. So this is chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Watch over your life. Let your lamps be not quenched and your loins be not ungirded. But be ready, for you know not the hour in which our Lord cometh. But be frequently gathered together, seeking the things which are profitable for your souls For the whole time of your faith shall not profit you, except you be found perfect at the last time. For in the last days the false prophets and the corruptors shall be multiplied, and the sheep shall be turned into wolves, and love shall change to hate. I'm going to just stop right there. So, um, the... uh, this whole idea of let your lamps not be quenched and your loins not be ungirded, this is very, very much in line with the parables of Jesus. For example, the parables of the uh, the ladies who were waiting outside for the bridegroom and, their, and they had no oil in their lamps. Uh, and they said, um, we have to quickly go into town and we have to get oil in our lamps. So they go into town, they get oil lamps, they come back and the bridegroom has already come in and the bride party's already gone, gone into the bridal procession and, and uh, they missed it. So Jesus talks in these sort of terms. So there's nothing here in the Didache chapter 16, at least the first part, that is uh, not in line with Scripture. Basically, watch over your life. Let your lamp not be quenched. Your loins not incurred. Be ready, 
for you don't know the hour in which the Lord cometh. And this too is also something that Jesus said. He said, even the Son of Man doesn't know uh, when he's going to return. Now, it's interesting that the early church, I believe, pretty much clearly, if you read what they wrote about and, and just do research into them, the early church believed that Jesus was coming imminently. Like, I think probably the first um, the first disciples, when they saw Jesus ascend to heaven, and, uh, and, they, and the uh, angel said, or the voice said, the way you've seen him go into heaven, he shall return again. They probably thought that that was, you know, within a week or two or a month, certainly not longer than nine months, right? Kind of like us in COVID, right? It was supposed to be 15 days to slow the spread, uh, and now we're nine months into it. So, uh, but, and we have no idea when it's going to end. It's just going to, it's just going to end when it ends, right? Well, in the early church, they didn't know when uh, Christ was coming, but they thought it was imminent, Um and I think I've told this story before, but my great-grandmother, I, her name was Teresa, but I called her Mima, um, and she believed that the Lord was going to come in her lifetime because how could things get any worse than what they were doing back in the you know, 1970s, 1960s, 1970s? Um, she was very much a Pentecostal, and, uh, and she believed that, that Christ was coming imminently um, because just the signs of the times showed that. Uh, and I, the, the fact is we need to be ready. We need to let our lamps stay lit. We need to be, have our loins ready to go. Uh, and we should be ready. And what does it mean to be ready? Uh, means to be ready to know that when the trumpet sounds, uh, and Jesus, you know, comes into the heavens and the dead rise and, uh, and we're with him forever, that that, that's going to happen on his timing and we just need to be ready. And the way to be ready is to be in the kingdom. And uh, so if you are uh, in the kingdom, you're ready. Uh, but um, just being ready is not enough. It also, uh, if you're part of the kingdom, you're supposed to be serving uh, Christ by making disciples, um, by you know baptizing and by teaching people to observe his commandments. Uh, just be on your guard that 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 Christ is coming again, that that the work you're doing on this earth is not for nothing, right? The work we're doing is part of the kingdom work that he's called us to do. And when he's ready from, from us to stop doing that kingdom work, uh, one of two things will happen. Either he will come again, or the second thing is that... Um, that we will fall asleep in his arms and we'll wake up uh, with him and live with him in eternity. One of those two things is going to happen in your life. I guarantee you. And so you just need to be ready. You need to be ready for that time. Be frequently gathered together, seeking the things which are profitable for your souls. So the Didache very much said that we should get together um, and do those things which are profitable to our souls carve ourselves. Let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit mold and shape your life uh, so that you your roots grow deep and thick and strong and you bear fruit uh, and, and you are an effective tool for the kingdom. Um, because in the last day there will be false prophets and corruptors. They shall be multiplied and the sheep shall turn into wolves uh, and love shall change into hate. And um, what I find amazing is um, that my great-grandmother thought that her time 
was that time. And I look around and I see a lot of this too. And I just think in every age, you're going to see people who turn love into hate, uh, who, who um, change the truth into, you know, change lies into truth, uh, spin things for their own purpose. You're always going to find people that live for themselves and want to create the whole system for themselves as opposed to creating a system for the others. Um, and those, in my opinion, are the false prophets and the corruptors. Do we have any false prophets and corruptors in our society today? Absolutely. Um, the, 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 the Bible says there will be uh, antichrists and an antichrist. Well, an antichrist is anybody that's against the teachings of Jesus. That's an antichrist. And those are people who turn uh, all the things inwardly so it's all about them. And if and they don't get their way, they get upset. Um, if they don't get, um, you know, the, all, the, all the things that they think life should, should give them, uh, then they're going to fight and fight to make sure that they get all that life wants to give them as opposed to a follower of someone in the kingdom who understands it's all about the other. And the greatest source of happiness in this world is, is relationships and serving other people. And once you realize that, then you are prepared. Your lights, your lights are not, your lamps are ready to go. They're, everything's ready to go because you are serving the other people. Um, we'll continue on, verse four. For as lawlessness increaseth, they shall hate one another and persecute and betray, and then shall appear the deceiver of the world as the son of God, and shall do signs and wonders, and the earth shall be given over to his hands, and he shall commit iniquities which have never been since the world began. So this definitely sounds like end time stuff, right? And um, there's a whole, and I'm not going to get into it. Maybe I'll get into it at some point. Maybe I'll do the book of Revelation. We'll get into the whole entire um, end time scenarios because there's, there's basically three major, there's premillennialists, there's postmillennialists, and there's amillennialists. And um, premillennialists believe that, uh, right, there's tribulation uh, before the second coming. The postmillennialists believe the tribulations after the second coming. Uh, there's a thousand years. The amillennialists believe that just living our life in the future is, is the millennium, and then Jesus will come and it will be done. And uh, that's the camp that I fall into. I'm an amillennialist. Um, I believe that when Jesus comes again in his glory, that'll be it. Um, there's no tribulation and all that sort of thing. Uh, that's just kind of how I read scripture. But there's not a lot of, it's not like scripture is really, really, really clear on what the end times is going to look like. We know it's coming. We know that we know that Christ is going to come again. The dead shall raise. Uh, we will be judged. And, uh, you know, those uh, who are sheep are going to live with him uh, forever. Those who are goats are not. And uh, so that's kind of clear in Scripture. That that falls very much in line with, with a lot of scriptural teachings. The rest of it, I just, I just don't, um, it doesn't make sense to me. Now, I'm, I'm going to be prepared either way because uh, I'm part of the kingdom, and so I'm, I'm not worried about it, and it's fun to speculate, and some people, you know, spend their whole life speculating, are we in the end times, and, you know, looking around at society and saying, this thing, you know, matches up with this thing, this politician is definitely this person, and all that sort of thing, and all of that's speculation, so I don't, I'm not a speculator in those kind of areas, um, 
because I just, I don't think it's healthy to go that direction because I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say the end is going to happen on such and such a date and that date shows up and it doesn't happen. And then a person says such and such a date. I mean, I think that's a very dangerous thing for anybody to say it's going to happen on a certain day. And then when that day comes and goes, all those people that were following them are, I mean, they could potentially lose their faith. Uh, it, it could be a horrible thing. So I'm not sure, even the son of man doesn't know when the end is coming. So how is any religious person supposed to know when the end is coming? It just doesn't make any sense. Matter of fact, I think Christ almost, um, it's not like he forbids us thinking about it, but he's like, you know, I don't even know when it's going to happen. So if Christ doesn't know, what in the heck do we think we know that more than Jesus does, right? I mean, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Uh, and what does it matter if you're living on this life, if it's going to happen tomorrow or if it's going to happen 10 years from tomorrow or a thousand years from tomorrow? We know it's going to happen. We've got a mission. We do our mission and that's, that's what we do. Um, he shall appear. I mean, this is, this is clear in scripture that when it, when the time comes the you know, the trumpets shall sound, all the, all the people will see Christ. He'll come in the skies. Uh, the dead shall rise will be, and we will be living with him forever. I mean, what more could you possibly want in this world? What, what does knowing exactly the date or, or how it's going to happen or, you know, which signs point to which signs and all that, which, which, what of that stuff matters in our day-to-day -day life of serving God? And that's, that's kind of where I kind of come down on it. Uh, and if it ends up being a thousand years of tribulation, um, I'll be prepared too, because, uh, because Christ has been, you know, molding me and in my life to help me prepare for that time. But, you know, you could also say if you're an amillennialist that life is a tribulation, right? That anything after Jesus um, when, when societies or countries or groups of people start focusing more, uh, inwardly, I mean, every society that's ever fallen has, has, I mean, very few societies have stayed around for a very, very long time. They all, um, eventually fall from within. And so if you're in that period of time, uh, where you're at the end of a, of a civilization or a society like the Ottoman Empire, right? Like as it came to its close, its last dying breaths, you know, people trying to cling to, the, to, to things to make sure that it would last longer. That is a very difficult and tribulating time. And uh, so anytime you get to the end of a, of, a, of, a, of a country, let's say, a country that's just falling apart, um, that's tribulation too. And, and, you know, I almost believe that this is whenever we talk about end times and uh, lawlessness and, and love is changed to hate and there's persecution and all that sort of thing. I almost think it sounds more like when a when a country is decaying than I do about the end times. Um, that's just kind of how I read it, uh, because I think that we all uh, could be live. I mean, at some point, all of us, you know, depending on what, what society is, we all could be living in the end times at some, at some point. So, um, well, and, and certainly the early church, right? They were persecuted, uh, because they were outsiders. They weren't part of society. So you're persecuted when you're not in society. And then, um, you persecute others 
when when you are in charge of society and every and people don't believe what you know you expect them to believe and then you become outsiders to society and you're in your you know you're persecuted again so christians christians just should expect persecution at some point i i have not been persecuted in my life because i'm a christian um yet but it, it could happen i just you never know you just never know all right so uh let us go back and see because we have just a few verses left so we'll go back and look at verse 5, or pick up again in verse 5. Then shall the creation of mankind come to the fiery trial, and many shall be offended and be lost. But they who endure in their faith shall be saved by the curse itself. So um, th th we're definitely talking about the end times, that there's a fiery trial, that's judgment day. Many shall be offended, yes. Some shall be lost, yes. But they who endure in their faith shall be saved. So I think of my confirmation verse, Revelation 2.10. He that believeth and is, and is saved shall be uh, uh, saved. He that believeth uh, shall be saved, but he that... Ah, what is, what is my confirmation verse? Revelation, he that endures? <laughs> um, man. Um, I'll, I'll read it to you. This is, this is terrible. I, I know the, um, yeah, this is the whole verse. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you shall suffer persecution for 10 days. This is my confirmation verse. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. That's the one I remember. I was thinking of another one. But be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. So that's basically what we're saying here in the Didache. Uh, be thou faithful unto death, and you shall get a crown of life. And then shall appear, we'll go back to verse 6, and then shall appear the signs of the truth, first the signs spread out in heaven, and then the signs of the sounds of the trumpet, and thirdly the resurrection of the dead, but not all of the dead, but as it was said, the Lord shall come and all his saints with him. Then shall the world see the coming of the Lord on the clouds of heaven. Uh, and so this is definitely the end times. This is definitely... Jesus coming back again to rescue his people, um, to take us to be with him forever and eternity, to go into the mansion that he's prepared for us, to be at the banquet feast with him forever, to be raised with all the saints so that we can spend the rest of eternity um, just worshiping God and loving God and being in his presence and uh, fellowship with, uh, with uh, all those that have gone before us. I mean, it's just a great time. It's a time, honestly, that I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, the older I get, the more I realize that that won't be bad at all. That'll be a pretty nice thing. I mean, I love the people here on this earth, but I think the older you get, you more you know more people in heaven than you do on earth, right? So I mean, at some point, it's like, yeah, I can't wait to get there and see uh, all those people again and, um, and to spend time with them. And this really then does give hope, right? It gives hope to the church because the church, the followers of Jesus Christ, the ones who learn these teachings of the apostles and they live the way of life and they uh, avoid the way of death, uh, they're connected with each other, they, they baptize, they have communion, they listen and they mold their life, they let the word of God richly dwell in them. Uh, life will not necessarily be easy for you. Because if you really, if you look at scripture and you look at the words that Jesus says for his followers, he has words that are not comforting. Uh, 
because the life of a follower of Jesus can be very, very difficult. As I said, in, up until 325 AD to Constantine, the church was the outcast, so they were persecuted. They were martyrs. There were people that were burned at the stake, crucified, killed, um, beheaded uh, because they were followers of Jesus Christ. We've never seen anything like that in our life uh, here in the United States, although it still goes, around, uh, goes on around the world. People are beheaded because they're followers of Jesus Christ. Um, for We have been fortunate in the last uh, you know, 100, 200 years here in the United States that Christianity has been the dominant uh, force, I guess you want to say, in the United States, that, that Christians um, are very, very heavily involved in the world of politics. Christians work in the legislatures and governments to try to create uh, the, you know, a world that follows Jesus Christ and his teachings as much as possible. Um, but again, that, that doesn't necessarily always last forever. There will always be deceivers who are going to come in and try to change things. Uh, and whether or not the United States remains you know, a, a Christian nation, and I don't mean that people on Sunday morning, like the vast majority of people on Sunday morning go to church. I mean that the ethos, the DNA, the idea that um, we should love our fellow neighbor and we should be concerned about other people other than ourselves, that DNA and ethos, uh, which has been embedded in, Christ you know, in our United States for a long time, will it be that or will it be, will we end up having super powerful people in charge that don't believe that it's about the other, that, it, that they believe it's about as much power as they can get and as much control as they can get. Um, and when you have a society where the vast majority of the wealth is concentrated in the people who don't believe in, in God or believe that there is even a reason to have the Christian ethos, that's, I think, when Christians can start to get persecuted again because then we're the outsiders. And then... We have no voice, we have no influence, and the only thing we can do at that point is to go back and just love and serve the world around us. And if a person is not a Christian, we're supposed to love and serve them um, and fight for you know justice and love and, and peace and joy and do the things that Christ has called us to do. Um, and that's kind of, that's what, that's what the Didache says. And I think about the last 2,000 years of the church history and how many times um, people have been persecuted for their faith. And uh, so my life in comparison is nothing compared to that. I've, I've lived, a, I continue to live a very, a very good life. Um, when there is persecution, it does drive people closer to God and, and their faith gets deeper. And... Um, you know, the example of the martyrs was the seed of the church. I mean, there was an explosive growth because of their witness to Christ and the, they're willing to die for Christ. Um, so in comparison to that, my life is nothing. I have it pretty easy when you think about it. I have it really, really easy. So um, there is an end time. Jesus will come again and uh, the trumpet shall sound. The dead shall rise and we shall be with him forever. And I think that hopeful note is a great way to end the Didache. 
Uh, so if you were uh, following all this and you were learning all this and you were living the drudgery of life, remember they only they were only able to study this early in the morning and late at night because seven days a week from sunrise to sunset, they were working, you know, struggling, laboring just to survive. Um, that was a hard life. And yet, because of this last chapter, I think they saw hope. Uh, hope that there would be a better future for mankind and for them and for the, sh the church and those who follow Jesus. And there has been a bright future for that. So, um, I, I, think, I think we'll end it there. Um, this is this is the end of the Didache. And um, if you have followed me through this whole thing, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for joining me. Uh, this is kind of the last broadcast on this particular subject. And uh, I, I pray that God has richly blessed you through studying the Didache. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. Uh, as I've gone through it, I've realized there's some really, really, really good stuff in here. Um, so I think what we'll do is just go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Jesus, um, thank you for this, this writing that has survived, that, that came from the apostles and how they kind of looked at, at you and the early church. Thank you for this whole entire study and this time together. Help us to take these teachings and use them for your glory and your edification in the kingdom. Uh, so thank you so much. And uh, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.